0: As a, a personal trainer and sports nutritionist, which I was outside of owning my health club, I had to do those things to pay the bills because as the owner of the gym, after paying you know, our rent, paying our utilities, paying our employees, our 1099 instructors, there was nothing left at the end of the day for me. I was the first one there, the last one to leave, and the one that never got paid.
1: Welcome to the Infinite Franchisee Show, where every franchisee meets infinite possibilities. Here, you will discover the executive level strategies needed to overcome the overwhelm, concentrate on explosive growth activities, and capture the life of your dreams, with me, April Porter. I am an attorney, a former award-winning multi-unit franchisee, and a number one international best-selling author on a mission to help franchisees achieve infinite success. Welcome back to the Infinite Franchisee Show. As very common these days, I have an amazing guest to share with you today. And we're going to be talking to him about not only his entrepreneurial journey, but LinkedIn. And this is the guy for LinkedIn. You guys are going to want to soak up everything he has to tell you. His name is Scott Aaron, and he is a LinkedIn expert, a business consultant, a best-selling author, and top podcaster. His unique niche is leveraging LinkedIn to build businesses, income, and personal brands. And he still collects sports cards as a hobby and a passion. So maybe we'll get into that too. All right, here we go. Welcome, Scott. How are you doing? Doing
0: great, April. Thank you again for the opportunity and uh, really excited to be here today.
1: Oh, we're so excited to have you. I mean, we've collaborated on a few things now, and it's always a pleasure, always great reviews. So I'm really excited to share you with our podcast audience. Why don't we just kind of start at the beginning? Give us a little inside info into your entrepreneurial journey.
0: So the journey, it was a crazy start to my entrepreneurial, I guess, life, which has been more than half of my life. I actually started in entrepreneurship when I was 18 and a half, almost 19 years old, so almost 24 years ago. So I, I jokingly tell people that I've been psychologically unemployable since day one. So I've never had a boss. I've never worked for anyone else but myself. And it definitely has its advantages and, it, and its disadvantages. And, and I think any business owner knows that all too well. And, you know, for me, The way that I was brought into entrepreneurship was actually through my father. My father's been an entrepreneur his entire life. My grandfather, my great grandfather. I come from a lineage of entrepreneurs and business owners. And so it's kind of, you know, embedded in me and in my DNA. But the weird entryway that I had into entrepreneurship was actually through my father's stumbling blocks that ended up getting you know passed down to me in in the way of stepping into entrepreneurship. My father owned multiple businesses in his entrepreneurial career and then started when I was in high school around my junior year started to to transition out of owning and then moved into more of a management type role where he was running the operations for another organization and outside looking in it looked great you know things seemed to be fine you know we we weren't struggling we weren't i would say wealthy by any stretch of the imagination but things were good you know we we wanted something we got it like we went on vacations and, you know we had a great childhood and about a year and a half into that my my father then transitioned out and started working for a chiropractor managing some locations. And then the opportunity arose for him to purchase a failing health club. And that was my father's biggest passion. And it still is. He has been working out since he was in his twenties. He is a, a world and national record holding bench presser. He competed in bodybuilding as did I. So I wasn't shocked that the fact that he wanted to buy a gym, it just, it made sense. He was always, I mean, he's still a very large man at 69 years old, but the reasoning for buying this gym, that was the, the thing that was kind of thrown out of left field. So we, this was in between my freshman and sophomore year of college. So I was 18 going on 19 and I was home from college. And my father We had a you know we always barbecue in the backyard and he said listen we need to have a family talk which wasn't out of the ordinary we were very openly communicative family so we we had talks and he said you know there's some things that are going on the company that i was at prior um that has nothing to do with the gym but the federal government is involved and i'm cooperating with them there's an investigation and there is a chance that i may get house arrest and he goes it's only going to be temporary but he goes, I want to be open and honest with you with these the, – the possibilities of what could happen. So things go on and on and on and we're finally at the day of of his his sentencing and I knew it wasn't going to be good. I I think intuitively I knew it wasn't going to be house arrest. I, th- I I knew that it was going to be something more. But in my mind, emotionally, I was prepared for house arrest. And by the end of the day, my father was sentenced to two and a half years in federal prison. So that was the big curveball because we go to drop him off to federal prison he hands me the keys to the gym and he says it's yours now. Meanwhile, I'm a sophomore in college. I've had jobs but like odds and I worked at a beer distributor, I worked at a golf course. They were part-time jobs in in high school and, you know, going into college to make some money for beer and, you know, partying and stuff, you know, like right. what kids did. But this was different. This was real. This was me as a teenager, having to take on ownership of a business to support my family, to support me, to support my mom, to support my sister who is, you know, two years away from graduating high school and having to think about college, right? You know, me thinking about my college tuition now, you know, in my sophomore year. So there was a lot on the plate. But, you know, I always tell people that you're you're dealt hands in life and you can either hold them or you can fold them. And I haven't folded a hand yet. You know, I've played with what was dealt to me and I fell in love with the industry. I fell in love with entrepreneurship. You know, my father came back after two and a half years and we grew that gym immensely, opened up a second one, sold them both for a million dollars. At the age of 24, I became a millionaire. Then we opened up a third and final location and that's where another kink in the hose came about because my parents didn't have any credit left because of everything that happened with the government so i had to sign all the paperwork i became you know the the guarantor of the lease and the equipment and all that stuff so i lost a house i had to file for personal bankruptcy at one point so a lot of twists and turns but i don't regret any of it you know as you're listening to this this is not a sob story this is just uh, the honest reality of being an entrepreneur and you you may see all these people on social media that are quote unquote living their best life but the reality is behind closed doors there's a lot of spaghetti that's thrown at the wall when you're going through entrepreneurship there's a lot of twists and turns it's not a straight line but things always got better after there was one of these little kinks in the hose you you learn from your mistakes you know It's in those down moments where you learn how to rise above and achieve even greater things. And, you know, I'm grateful, you know, for my wife coming into my life and everything that we're doing now with our company and our business and the way that it's thriving. And it was interesting because in 2013, three years before I ended up filing for personal bankruptcy, I got into online marketing and it was out of necessity. You know, as a a personal trainer and sports nutritionist, which I was outside of owning my health club, I had to do those things to pay the bills because as the owner of the gym, after paying, you know, our rent, paying our utilities, paying our employees, our 1099 instructors, there was nothing left at the end of the day for me. I was the first one there, the last one to leave, and the one that never got paid. So
1: it's so interesting, Scott. I don't actually know if you're aware of this, but my first foray into true entrepreneurship was owning a fitness franchise, a gym. And before that, kind of like you, you know, um, I'd always had an entrepreneurial spirit where I'd been, you know, teaching fitness classes, just the odd side job but going into it, I own gyms. I ended up owning four franchise locations. But what you're describing right now, and I I just wanted to stop you for a second because it's so pertinent to many of our listeners. We have a strong fitness franchise following. And I know you're getting ready to talk about online marketing and really getting into that thing. But that opening the gym in the morning, closing the gym at night, paying everybody else and having nothing left for yourself many franchisees are in that same boat. And one of the reasons that they're there is is because they don't have what you're about to get into. So I just wanted to pause and talk about this for a second because the franchisors are teaching them how to run the model, right? How to work people out, how to get them signed up for these memberships, how to, you know, talk about all the features of the gym and and do maybe some local guerrilla marketing. And that's really how, particularly over from 2013, when you're talking about like, that's a, how things got done. And I think that even now there's a slow shift in this industry to really fully embrace all of the different ways that the local gym owner and all business owners, but, but for the sake of this conversation, the local gym owner really needs to be using and leveraging the online marketing way beyond just the digital ad, right?
0: The interesting thing is now that I think about it, yes, I've, I've been in entrepreneurship for 24 years, but I've been involved in the fitness industry in, in some way, shape or form for four decades. Oh, yeah. Because we, the, my family got involved in 1997. Now to go back to 1997, almost a quarter of a century ago. There was no internet. No. <laughs> there, well, you know, if, if your gym had a website, you were like, you know, way advanced. And that website, I remember, we our, our first website, we were so excited because we were able to put this button where people could download our class schedule for the week, and we thought that was like so innovative because <laughs> you know, we had class schedules in those little plastic holders when you would walk in and people would take you know, so they can print it out at their house now. But, you know, for us, you know, even going to our memberships, you know, we charged something called a $99 initiation fee, which basically it was to process the paperwork, which really didn't cost $99 to do that. But that's what all the gyms did, right? right. So just to sign up for the gym, you had to pay $100 and then $44 a month. So every time someone signed up, it was a $143 sale like that. And it was That membership model where the 70% of people that don't go make up the majority of the money for the 30 that 30% that do come to the gym. And, you know, we had a membership base of, you know, close to 1200 people. We had a a reoccurring revenue of almost $37,000 a month of reoccurring revenue, not including the, the daily money that would come in from bars and everything. But as we moved into the 2000s, Things started to, to really shift because it was the advent of going away from the small box gym and going towards the big box gym. And, and, you know, our gyms were in downtown Philadelphia. So in the location that we were in Old City, there was maybe four or five gyms within six to eight block radius, but No one drove to the gyms. You, you found locations that were in neighborhood areas where, you know, there were apartment complexes and people would walk to the gym. There was no parking. You know, you parked, but it was for people that lived in those locations. But when these, these bigger box gyms started to pop up, the, the LA fitnesses, the 24 hour fitnesses, the, the planet fitnesses, the retro fitnesses, and they started charging. A third of what the family owned gyms had to charge because again, we didn't have a large corporation backing us. It was, it was all on us. We didn't right. own the property. And the model was that large corporation would purchase the property. They would own the property. So again, they didn't have rent. They had a mortgage, which was completely different. So there was a, an asset in just having the gym there in the first place. And then as the 2000s turned into the 2010s, now, online started to really, really blow up. So by the time we we sold our first two gyms in 2003, we, we got out at the right time. And then when we opened up our final gym in 2004, which I ended up closing in 2016, that 12-year period was the most drastic 10-year period in the fitness industry because it was – you started to see – yoga studios pop up, right? So, you know, people loved going to a gym that was kind of like a one size fits all. There was, there were weights, there was a chiropractor's office, there were saunas, there was a spin studio, there was a yoga studio, right? right. People love, love the variety, but now people started to get more niche specific. Mm-hmm. So- there were spin studios and there were group fitness studios that opened up. There were personal training studios that started to open up, up. So trainers were like, "Well, I'm not going to work here. I'm going to go work for myself and I'm going to open up my own training studio." So you you had to kind of bob and weave through that. And I kind of saw the the, the foresight of this. I I saw it happening, you know. And I, and I said, you know, we can't compete with an LA fitness that is a mile away from us that's charging $15 less and is 10,000 square feet larger than us, has 10 times more classes than us because we can't have, you know, again, we have to pay all of our 1099. So I saw the writing on the wall and, you know, just to kind of, sh- you know, show you how entrepreneurial I was, I did whatever I could to make this gym work. You know, we did you know, three month summer specials for like $99. Groupon, which was, you know, is still around became so prevalent around this time. We would do Groupons where people would pay pennies on the dollar for year memberships. And then it started to piss off our regular members because they were paying regular price. And then we had like 200 new people that were paying peanuts. So there were so many different things. April, I used to charge people to meet them at the grocery store and I would go food shopping with them.
1: Well, yeah, because you had to do what you had to do. And I think think during the time period that you're talking about, even for people who had the foresight that, hey, things are changing, we have to figure out some other things. Like Maybe now we offer a service where we go grocery shopping with them, right? Because we're trying to make up for all of these different things that are being introduced into the market, such as Groupon. But the reality is, is that during that time, it's a reactionary. Everything's reactionary. And I still see that a lot in the fitness industry when it comes to marketing is that it's hard because there are so many different models out there yep and as a franchisee you're hoping that your franchisor is going to be the leader in the space and they're going to be the forward thinking ones that can see okay hey this is where things are trending as far as online marketing goes this is something we need to bring into the system and the model and teach now to our franchisees but the reality is is that franchisors they have a lot more to keep up on than just marketing trends, right? They have to keep up on fitness trends. What is going on in their special space? How do they keep their workout dynamic and exciting? Because now with all those different boutique options that you're talking about, the shiny new object wins, right? The member who's been a loyal member for a year or more and loves you and your workout saw something a little intriguing moving down the street and they just want to try it. They just want to give it a go because it's something new. So you're constantly competing, not just with the standard competition, but with the shiny new object. And so because franchisors have to keep up with all of that and competitors' prices and sales and all of that, generally franchisors do not have the bandwidth to be looking two years ahead, see what's going to be hot, on online marketing in two years and begin training franchisees how to capitalize on that now. Because that's really what you need. You have to capitalize on it way in advance to really be ahead of the game and really leverage it for all it's worth. And I think that that's where a lot of our listeners have a lot of frustration because they just don't know what to do in marketing that is going to give them that competitive edge. But the, the coolest part and why I'm so excited for you to talk about this... Is that because this is basically rampant in the fitness industry, this like way of thinking and doing? The people who do take the time to look at the trends and learn now how to capitalize on what's coming down the pipe and the things that their competitors are not using, they're going to win the race.
0: I call these the dynamic variables. And yes, you can try to predict trends, but you kind of have to look around and I don't believe in competition. I don't believe in comparison. I look to see what's going on and how it could potentially affect me, whether it's in a positive or negative way. And going back to 2013, three years before I ended up closing my final gym to, you know, fully lean into the online businesses that I've created, it was a, a question that someone asked me that really spurred this on. And, and a buddy of mine said to me, "If you got sick or injured, where you physically couldn't train people anymore." or you couldn't go to the gym, something happened to your location where you had to close it, what income would you have to fall back on? Scariest question I've ever been asked because I realized at that point, I had pulled all my eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. And if, if you read any article, the average millionaire has four to six streams of income. And I did not. And it wasn't that I wanted to be a millionaire, but I wanted to have more leveraged income so I could do multiple things. And this is when I'm like, all right, let me look at the online space because, you know, going back in my mind, I had so many people saying, I wish I could work with you. I wish I can train with you, but I live here or I don't live in your area or you're too far away or I'm too far away. And that's when I said, let me look into this online wellness coaching thing, which I leaned fully into it and it blew up. And I'm like, wow, I'm like, there's all these people out there that I can now connect with and you know i was doing the normal things on facebook and instagram and and i just remember you know about a year year and a half into that this was like mid 2014 almost eight years ago things started to shift on social media and i'm like you know the caliber of people that i was talking to it it just there were money blocks and there was all these things that i saw as hampering the success that i i knew i could have and i remember You know, setting up a LinkedIn profile back in 2009 when I still had my gym and I I revisited, I logged in and and it had been, you know, five years at this point and I dusted off my profile and I said, well, you know, this is a a, a business networking platform. Why don't I start networking with more people? I had done the BNI thing. I was a chapter president for two years. I knew the power of networking and the doors of opportunity that could be opened when doing that. And, and for me, I was looking for a higher caliber person now there's a lot of people listening to this that still feel that LinkedIn is for someone that wants to get a job or for recruiters. Yes, that is still true, but there's a a subside of linkedin that 's why they have called linkedin recruiter now it 's actually an an app that you have to pay for within LinkedIn because the the general platform of LinkedIn is a global networking event every single time you log on. It's for creators. It's for connectors. It's for collaborators. It's for people to pass business back and forth. And I dove headfirst into this thing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, this is different. You know, I always talk about being a salmon in a world of fish, right? Right. When I came into your group and I went over that, I, I said to all of them, I said, listen, you know, stop going with the flow of what everyone else is doing. What can you do differently to set yourself apart? Turn around and go the other way and that's what i saw linkedin for me that was my opportunity to be a salmon in a world of fish entrepreneurs what are we we are different we don't want to we don't want to conform to the norms we we want to create our own economy we want to create our own impact a way that feels good to us and for me the value and the greatest currency that you can have as a business owner especially in the franchisee or franchisor or online space is that ability to create connection with other people. And online is a great opportunity to do that. I leaned into it, made it work, created a system, and word got around and people started reaching out to me and saying, hey, can you teach me? Can you speak on this? And they offered to pay me. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, people are going to pay me to teach them what is working for me because, again, Just so everyone knows, I had to prove the concept first, right? It's not just like, Oh, I'm not successful in this. I'm just going to start teaching this, whether I know what I'm doing or not. You know, I build up credibility before I even did anything. I used this successfully myself, created a program, systematized it, patented it, licensed it, trademarked it, copyrighted it because it worked when you use it. And the rest they say is history.
1: Right. It's so funny. I don't know how familiar you are with the franchising world. I know we've talked about it a few times, but everything you just said with like, you know, you have to prove the concept and it has to be systematized. That's exactly why franchisees invest in franchises for a proven concept that has the systems and processes in place that they can take it and they can duplicate it. One of the missing pieces is the advanced, what I call more advanced marketing strategies, such as LinkedIn, And the reason that I refer to it as an advanced marketing strategy is because there's basic ones, right? There's the basic, everybody has to do these certain things to market your business. I mean, if you're not doing these things, LinkedIn isn't even going to help you because when you get a good lead in, you're not going to know how to handle that lead. You're not going to know how to convert it. You're not going to know how to retain those customers. So there's the basic marketing and, and that's what every franchisor has built into their system. But these advanced strategies, these are the ones that are maybe changing, right? Every six months, there's some tweaking that needs to happen to these strategies. And staying up on that and learning at this level, that's what franchisees have to go out and they have to do on their own. This is what franchisees need to explore, to learn about and bring to the table if they really want to take a profitable business and make it scalable, right? More locations, more revenue, more employees or, or better trained employees so that they can spend more time on vacation while their business is growing itself. Yep. So that's what I love about what you do is you really take these concepts and you break it down for the average business owner so that they can grasp it and they can apply it.
0: Well, anytime that you can systematize something, but in a duplicatable and systematic way, it's game over. Because everybody, I mean, if you think about what it means to uh, become a a franchisee, right? When you're researching the type of franchise that you want to purchase, you kind of, it's not just, oh, is it a good business model? You know, what systems do they have in place? You know, how is their org chart set up? You know, what's the chain of command? What's the success rate? How open-minded are they? What path to success can they you know guide that that franchisee to help duplicate what they did when they opened up their first location and such, and the same thing goes and and again, yes, I would definitely clarify LinkedIn as an advanced marketing strategy, but the one thing that I know a lot of people can agree upon is that the basics will only take you so far, and this is the one thing that every person needs to think about you know are you happy with where your business is right now are you happy with the income that it's producing are you happy with the time freedom that it's that it's giving you or maybe not be giving you at all so if you want more out of what you're doing you have to start doing more with what you have cuz changing nothing changes nothing <laughs> but when you change something something changes and this is the thing you know i know the mindset of the franchisee is that you you're like scott well you know when i when i opened up this franchise it was supposed to be handed to me on a silver platter right this franchisor should have had everything figured out for me and i invested this money and i did everything they said to do and i'm not getting the results that that they got well listen that same thing can be said about anything you know i'm not saying that that you were sold a bad bill of goods but the way that something worked even just a year ago is different than the way that it works right now. And you have to be so forward thinking that you have to have that that intuition that you're like, you know what? I'm going to do everything that is in this handbook that is on these pamphlets. I'm going to apply everything, but I'm not going to do just the basics. I'm going to learn the basics so it can be taught, but I'm going to start doing more of the outside the box things. And and I've worked with franchisees before. I've worked with franchisors and it's LinkedIn could be a game changer because if, if you're, if your clientele, if they're corporate clients, right? You know, the, the, the one franchise that I worked with, they were a food catering company where they provided like hoagies and wraps and they were central to the, the Philadelphia area and they were looking for a way to help their franchises get more corporate catering deals Mm -hmm. by leveraging LinkedIn because you can search and connect by city, by state. So you can literally, if if you have a franchise in Charlotte, North Carolina or Chicago, Illinois, you can literally build a network of corporate clientele, potential corporate clientele just in that city and reach out to them and make yourself known and more visible. And that's the thing. Connection is what, what drives your business and opportunity is what drives your business. And, you know, the one thing that, that April and I want all of you to start thinking about as we kind of very quickly ramp into 2022 is what are you going to do this year that's different than 2021? So, you know, maybe you had a, a decent year in 2021, right? But it could be better. Or maybe you had a downturn in 2021. And that's, again, that's how business goes. You know, 2019 was a banner year for our company. It was the first year where things kind of just really popped. And uh, the first quarter of 2020 was just epic. And then guess what? Pandemic hits, (laughs) right? So we had to, you know, rethink things. and, And we ended up restructuring a couple of different things. And we still had a great year, even though our business was down about, 30%. But in 2021, we almost tripled our income from 2020. And that is leading us into what we're going to do in 2022. We're always thinking ahead. What kinks are in our hose that we can then work out and then allow the flow of the business to flow more easily? And this is, again, you may say, well, is LinkedIn for me? LinkedIn is for everybody. If your business is structured around creating connection with other people and creating transactions of trust between you and that client, that customer, LinkedIn is for you. It's for connecting. Now, not saying that Facebook and Instagram are irrelevant, that I would be negligent to say that they are still relevant for what they're relevant for. It's visibility. It's more social, but let's talk about business networking and you know, The arm of your business that is most vital to your success is the lead generation arm because leads create income opportunities. So take a deep, hard look at the lead generation strategy you have right now. And is it producing the results that you want? Are the opportunities plentiful that are going to allow the needle of your business and income to move forward? And if not, start thinking differently because when you change something, again, something will change.
1: One hundred percent. That's amazing, Scott. Well, if our listeners want to connect with you, should they do it on LinkedIn or do you have an even better way for them to get a hold of you?
0: Well, LinkedIn's a great way just because I do trainings every Monday and Thursday via LinkedIn Live. So I, I talk all things LinkedIn. So you can just search Scott Aaron on LinkedIn. You can also go to my website, ScottAaron.net. It's got all my social handles. I have a free Facebook community. It's called LinkedIn Leads for Life, where I obviously do the trainings in there as well. I mean, honestly, if you just Google Scott Aaron, you'll find multiple ways of of how to connect with me.
1: That's awesome. And then you have uh, coming up early 2022, yep. but you actually offer a really cool workshop as mm-hmm. well. Would you mind sharing that with our audience?
0: Yeah. So my wife and I, this is actually the first time we're going to be doing this after being asked thousands of times is we're actually doing a personal business branding workshop. It's a five-day workshop where we're gonna be teaching business owners how to build out their personal brand online. Um, So really understanding how to choose the right social media platform for you, for your business depending upon what it is and identifying that. Getting clear on your niche, getting clear on your avatar, your marketing structure. So we're actually going to be taking everybody through this five-day workshop of how to do so. So by the end of the five days, you have a clear plan and path of the exact way of how you can build your business online and expand your brand. The other thing is we do have a high-level mastermind. It's called the Expert Authority Mastermind. It's for business owners that are You know, at that high five, low six figure a year income, they're not struggling, but they're still working too hard to create that income. And they want to create more ease and fluidity and reoccurring revenue, but have more time freedom. Again, there's there's a difference between working on your business and working in your business. And there's too many people that are working in their business, which gives you no time to work on your business. So it is a year long commitment. And it is specific to that demographic of business owner, but we do teach you in in a on a weekly basis. we do weekly trainings on uh identifying your niche, your marketing strategy, your brand colors, and going through the process of becoming the expert authority in your space by optimizing all of your social media platform. It is LinkedIn central that is our main focus, but we do give a lot of tips, and we have guest trainers that come in. Uh, but we also teach you how to create and launch your very own podcast that 's branded to you and write your first book that is branded to you because we talk about the brick house of a, of of recognition and credibility, and having a social media presence is one thing, but when you can have a credible podcast and book to go along with what you do for a business as a brand it 's a game changer. Uh, there's one-on-one coaching involved each month with either myself or my wife, but we also do quarterly planning sessions with each member to make sure that they're on track with what they're doing. And, you know, if anybody wants to talk about that, you can just email us at support at Scott dot net and we can set up a call.
1: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here today. As always, Scott, you're a wealth of information and a true gem to have on. I can't wait to have you again in the future. For all of you listening, this is just one more way that we are trying to help you get to infinite success. So we'll see you next time. Do you love the Infinite Franchisee Show? I'd love to hear from you. Take 60 seconds and leave a review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. It is such a small thing that can help so many other franchisees and entrepreneurs find us. And then they can discover infinite possibilities too. Thanks for tuning in today. Until next time, remember, there are infinite opportunities to grow your business and reach the sanity, wealth, and gratitude you deserve. So don't ever settle for anything less than infinite success.